Today as a church, we, we get a chance to celebrate um, one of the central themes of the purposes of God's community, one of the main reasons why we're here, and one of the main reasons why we're even able to have a church. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about the mission of God's people. Um, if you're new to the Bible, uh, or maybe, maybe you're just not too familiar with the entirety of the story, um, it's important to know that, that the scriptures, that it's one a singular story. There's an overarching um, narrative from start to finish. If you go to Genesis and all the way through the revelation given to John, all of the scriptures uh, help give us a little bit of a picture of what God is after. And if you read it in context, you see very plainly what God is really going after. It's hard to figure out what those things are if you just kind of randomly flip over at a random page and you go, you know, Leviticus 7, you know, it's going to hard, be hard to figure out what God is really after with his creation and with, with really the world in general. Um, but there are some moments in the scriptures, that it, it, there are some moments in this kind of amazingly complex millennial spanning book that are, I would call, defining moments where we get a chance up and close to just look at the passages and see, man, this is what God wants for his creation. This is what God wants for the world. This is what God is after in the world in which we live. So what I want to do today is I want to walk through all of those highlight moments, and then I want to circle back to them and just kind of talk about them a little bit in detail a little bit later on. And so we're going to see the purpose of God's mission, the purpose of God's people, really what God was after when he made mankind. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says this, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. The creator God speaks to his new creation and he says that you are going to be my image, my image bearers, and you're going to fill the whole earth with the image of your creator. And really what we learned in the very beginning is that God's intention was to fill the earth with the image of God himself. God is creator. God is beautiful. He is kind and compassionate. He is someone who allows people to be redeemed and to be strengthened. And God says, you will be those people for me. And you will bring my image to all of the world. What a beautiful calling for mankind. That we get a chance to be like God creators and create beautiful things and create culture and, and life itself. And then we know the story goes horribly wrong. Right away, what happens is that men and women sin. And after we sin, we see that human disobedience and rebellion against God, it really creates so much terrible destruction, not only for those first people, our ancestors, but also for life in general. Evil and sin have weaved their way into every aspect of God's good creation, in every dimension of human goodness and everything that's beautiful and life in general. It is laced, it is pained with the, with the, the, the texture of sin. Sin, rebellion is horrible. And so the Bible tells us that men man are sort of broken down. But God wants to redeem them. And so we are introduced to this new character, a man named Abraham. He's a vagabond. He, God calls him away from his homeland and calls him to a new land. And he, he really, he makes this interesting promise to him. He says, hey, I'm going to bless you. And God's like, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, and I'm going to make your name great. And this is what the blessing sounds like. This is Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. It says, I will make your name great. I'm sorry, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and those whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. 
Remember, God blessed those first people and Abraham. God says to Abraham, hey, now you will go and bless the rest of the world. Sin has, the world has been marred by sin, and now you have a chance to redeem it. Bless the whole world. Decades go by in the story of the Bible, and Abraham's family later changes their name to Israel. They haven't really blessed anybody. Instead, they too have been corrupted by the infection of sin and rebellion. There's a really awesome moment in Joshua 24, however, that God brings the community of Abraham back together. They've grown now from one Abraham to about a million strong. They've been freed from Egypt and they're standing in the land that God promised their, their forefathers. And Joshua in this moment reminds the entire community of the promise that God gave to Abraham and also their responsibility to bless the whole world. And the community listens to Abraham unpack the beautiful blessings of God again. They listen and they absorb it. And in Joshua 24, they all agree. They say, we will do it. We will, we will be those people. We will want to get, once again sort of resign ourselves to being the people that we were supposed to be. And all of that hurrah, hurrah, hurrah is really short-lived because only a few generations later, the rebellion of Israel will reach its climax and God will exile the people away. And what we find in the Bible is that through the prophetic words of people like Isaiah, Jeremiah, and the like, God's voice continues to ring out saying, I want you to be those people I've always longed for you to be. Image bearers, blessings to all nations. And that's the, that's the tenor of scripture until we get to Jesus. When we get to Jesus, it has become increasingly clear, or exceedingly clear, I should say, that Israel not only could not, but would not do the mission of blessing the world. And so we get to the New Testament, and the New Testament presents to us the answers the prophets and the, the patriarchs have been asking for so long, and we see the embodiment of Israel's Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, who decided to be faithful even though the rest of his community had been rebellious and obeyed God to the point of death and then resurrection. And we find out that, that in Galatians chapter four that, that uh, says, but when the set time had come, so God was preparing this. When the set time has come, God sent his son. God sent his son to be an image for us of what life should be, what, we, what it should be for sort of that original mandate, that going, filling the earth and being an image of God and also what it should be for us to bless the whole world. God sent his son as the image for us to follow. And then at the end of Jesus' life, after he has died and raised from the dead, he gathers the people who had been following him all along and he gives them this charge that we now that we now look at in Matthew chapter 28, it says this, it says, then Jesus came to all of them and said to them all, sorry, to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. You see that call again, to go to all nations, bless all nations, make disciples, make image bearers of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is now what we call the Great Commission. The marching orders of God's people. In another account of this same story in John chapter 20, verse 21, God, Jesus says something interesting. He says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. What did the Father send him to do? Oh yeah, to fulfill the call of Abraham. Bless the whole world. As God sent his son, so I am sending you. Go bless the world. This is awesome to think about the narrative arc of the Bible. But as you think about it, there's a couple of questions that pops up. Well, one is, what exactly does this even mean? 
What does it mean to bless the world? For the next 20 minutes or so, I'd, I'd like to present to you three ideas that spell out the concept of this missional mandate. And I'd like to give you a brief, really brief, theology of the mission of God's people. I'm gonna give you a thought about what it means to be missionaries in God's story. To do that, I'm gonna, I'm, I wanna read a, a quote from a, um, Christopher J.H. Wright in his book, The Mission of God's People. He, he wrote this. He says, the Bible renders to us the story of God's mission through God's people in their engagement with God's world for the sake of the whole of God's creation. He's saying the point of the, of the Bible shows us God's mission through God's people for the sake of his creation. The Bible is the drama of this God of purpose engaging in the mission of achieving that purpose universally, embracing past, present, and future, Israel and the nations, life, the universe, and everything. And with its center, focus, climax, and completion in Christ Jesus. Catch this last part. Mission is not just one of the list of things that the Bible happens to talk about, only a bit more urgently than some. Mission is, in that much abused phrase, what it's all about. Mission, God's mission is what it's all about. Three big ideas why this is so important to help you build a little bit of a foundation. Number one, what we find in the scriptures and the overarching narrative of the Bible is that God is a missionary. Mission starts not as a command from God, but it starts from the very person of God. From the very beginning, we, we learned that in love, God created the heavens and the earth. He created all things in his last of his creation. The scripture we read earlier says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Man is placed in the garden to work and exist in the, in the presence of its creator, and everything is perfect. But almost immediately afterwards, everything goes awry. Eve, deceived by the serpent, disobeys God's command, and she does whatever she wants to do because that's the nature of human beings, and her husband follows suit. They both eat from the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of, of good and evil, and in that moment, the destiny of mankind is forever revealed. Man will forever question the authority of God. Man will forever rebel against the commands of God. Men will chart their own, curse, uh, their own course and they will be cursed by those decisions. Man will forever do that. And in, and in an effort to, um, to try to correct their own ways, they will continue to make the world into a miserable place. Some things will be beautiful, but most of our world will be marred with difficulty, challenge, pain, and suffering. So, what does this creator do? What would you do? I would just start over. <laughs> and no more, Adam and Eve, you are now dead. I start again. But that's not what the creator does. Genesis chapter three, verse 21 says, the Lord made garments of skin for Adam and Eve and his wife, I'm sorry, and clothed them. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground for which he had been taken. Here's this all powerful, fully just creator God and one of his dust-born creations has rebelled against him. And instead of abandoning them or destroying them, God is compassion, compassionate, and he clothes them. That's not just that he clothes them, but that he clothed them. He takes care of them, he protects them. And not only that, but he sets in motion a plan to redeem them. And he chose to do that throughout history, through the person and the events that run through the Bible, from Abraham to Christ himself. You know, it's easy to look at this 
um, to look at the Bible and to think that um, evangelism really begins in the New Testament. To think that like reaching people was only like a thing that Jesus invented. But what's amazing is that you see in the scriptures that evangelism or the reaching or the redeeming of lost things or broken things is a concept really throughout the entirety of the Bible. It's everywhere. Every sliver of the scriptures talks about this idea of redeeming God's people. This is in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 9. Listen to the text of all these words. You who bring good news to Zion, who bring good news, that's an evangelist, a good news bringer. Up to the high mountains, you who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift up and do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See the sovereign Lord comes with power and and he rules within a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flocks like a shepherd. Listen to this concept. He gathers the lamb in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. This is God talking about his desire to redeem his people well before the acts of Jesus, well before the New Testament. God longing to gather his people, gather his people and be close to them. Good news bringing. This is evangelism. See, the Old Testament continues through the prophets to point forward to an instance that, or rather, to, and, and, and to insist that God has a missionary work to do, that God wants to redeem his people, to bring blessings to all nations, and to save the world. From the onset of the infection of sin, God saw the suffering of man, the evil, their own plight, and he longed to bring them back into his presence and recapture their purpose on earth. And when Christ comes, what does the Bible say that, that Jesus came to do? Well, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This God-man, Jesus, comes to continue the work of salvation, to seek and save the lost. What's my point? God is a missionary. That's the point. Big idea number one, God is a missionary. Big idea number two that, that lays a groundwork for a, a missionary philosophy or, or missions philosophy. And by the way, I think I'm going to make this whole thing into a series in the future because there's so much information, so stick with me. Um, God is a missionary. Point number two. The mission of God is to bring healing and renewal to all creation. So what's the point? God's a missionary, but what is he trying to do? Well, one element is that he wants to save souls, certainly, but there's another element where he wants to renew all of creation. Again, we have to look at the narrative arc of the Bible to really get it. In this book, which like every other book has a beginning, middle, and end, we see the structure and the formation of of, of why missions are so important. In the beginning is creation. You know the story, creation narrative provides for us an answer. And what it does is it teaches us something really important. It teaches us that, that mission is valuable. Why? Because God created us in his own image. You are not just a sack of cells. You are an image bearer of God Almighty. Creation answers the question, do humans have value? Do you have a meaning? Do you have a purpose? Is your life worth something? Creation says, absolutely. After creation comes the fall, where human disobedience and rebellion, so this shows you the value, this shows you the need, the fall. Human disobedience and rebellion against the creator God has brought disastrous effects on everything. 
Physically, now you are subject to death and decay. Intellectually, we're dead intellectually. We've fallen intellectually. We use our incredible power of rationalization to explain, to excuse, and to even normalize our own evil. Socially, every human relationship is now fractured and disrupted. Even the best ones still have issues because of the fall of mankind. And spiritually, we are alienated from God himself. The fall shows us the, shows us the need for redemption or for the need for mission. And then comes all of redemption history. So that's, that's basically from Abraham till Jesus, that whole picture, right, where God goes after mankind, after mankind, all different ways, and sometimes they, they do it great, and sometimes they do it terribly, but, but either way, he's after them the entire time. And then at the end, we see recreation. See, God's redemptive purpose is not to just save souls, it's to restore everything and to recreate everything. God longs for a world where there's no more violence and there's no more injustice and there's no more killing and there's no more slavery and there's no more rape and there's no more stealing and there's no more lies and there's no more abuse and there's no more classism and there's no more racism and there's no more abortions and there's no more death of any kind. No more mourning, no more fear, no more pain, no more sorrow. God is after a world where everything is recreated where the earth and the heavens are brand new and there is no more sorrow anywhere. That's what God is after. Where righteousness and peace dwell everywhere because God himself dwells with us. Listen to Revelation 21, this beautiful picture. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven um, for, from God, prepared as a bride, um, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain or sickness or abuse or anything else for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. And he said, write down these words, um, write, write, um, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. This is the promise of recreation. This helps us understand what God is after when we talk about missions. God is after recreating everything. And just a quick aside, notice all the language that sounds so similar to Genesis chapter two. God is there. Early in Revelation, we see that the tree is there. But what's interesting is that it's no longer a garden, now it's a city with walls and art and architecture and culture and humanity. No more mourning, no more crying, God heals all of the cosmos. In, Gen in Revelation chapter 21, what we find is so important. And I think, you know, for me, I I've had to do some soul searching because when I thought about missions, I thought about one thing, seeking and saving lost people. But what I found in the scriptures is actually so much more intense and more beautiful. It's the, the plan to save everything and to redeem everything 
The fact is that God wants to restore everything. Missions work is fixing all of life. Freedom for the oppressed is mission work. Salvation for the lost is part of the mission. Creating beautiful things is part of God's mission. Restoring families, broken families is part of the mission. Rebuilding cities is part of the mission. Repairing broken hearts is part of the mission. Healing people who are full of sorrow is part of the mission. Mending broken hearts is part of the mission. Restoring human dignity is part of the mission. All that stuff is part of the mission. God is after a world where everything is fixed. Everything. It's interesting because in Genesis chapter one, going back to that, God gives what what we now call the cultural mandate. Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. And he tells us to rule the earth. That same idea is repeated in Genesis chapter nine as well. This is the human charter, what we're supposed to do. What we're supposed to do is fill the earth, subdue it, by being the image of God. What does it mean to be an image of God? Well, well the word image is actually could be translated as idol or statue. So, so you are an idol or a statue of an invisible God. And an idol or a statue is placed in a, um, in a temple. And what's the temple? Well, the temple is the whole world. And so you are an idol placed in the world to show the invisible God. We are God's statue put here on earth because the entire world is God's temple to make visible an invisible, loving, awesome, creative, beautiful God. That's what we're supposed to do. So we're supposed to bring his image. And who, who is God? He's a creator. He's compassionate. He's loving. He's kind. And all that is supposed to come with us into this world to show the world what God is really like. The Bible says we are supposed to fill the earth and subdue it. The word there for subdue or the word for rule sounds, it's a word in Hebrew called radash. It sounds very much like a radish. Um, but but um, the word subdue, it's really interesting. It, it means to, it can either mean to exploit, to enslave, to abuse, to rape, or it could mean to, to cultivate something awesome out of chaos. So the question is, what type of idol are you? What type of image bearer are you? Are you a ruler that destroys, kills, abuses, rapes, and destroys? Or are you someone that takes chaos and brings it into order and creates beautiful things out of God's raw materials in the world? This, is what, this was our call, right? Fill the earth and subdue it. It's the command to make culture. And then in Matthew chapter 28, a lot of historians are saying Jesus is re- um, rephrasing that, but by adding a caveat to start, saying, hey, we need to make disciples because basically people have lost the image of God. So Matthew 28, hey, restore people's image and then tell them to fill the earth with beauty. Again, what's the point? God is after the restoration of everything. And yes, the call to make disciples is paramount. It's the most important thing because you can't bring heaven to earth when the earth is full of people who rebel against God. But it does not negate or cancel the ongoing call for you to be an image bearer, for you to make something great out of this world, for you to recreate the world the way God intended for it to be. Okay, last idea. So God is a missionary. The mission of God is healing and renewing of all things. And the last one is that God wants to bring healing and renewal to all creation through a missionary people. 
How does God choose to change the world? Through you. God could have very easily said, I'm just gonna do it myself. But instead he says, I'm gonna make my statues, my idols into people that can fix the whole world. This is why Genesis chapter 12 is so cool. I will make you a great nation, speaking to Abraham, and I will bless you. He's filling Abraham with blessings. He says, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and those who, who, who those, no, sorry, and whoever, cur- you, what, Boop. and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. God's people are supposed to be a conduit of renewal of the world or a conduit of blessings. So catch this. God's blessings, I mean, everything he's ever given you, salvation, a family, restored, restored marriages, you know, a sense of like your humanity back, a worldview that, that makes sense, financial affluence, whatever you've been given is not so that you would be blessed, but so that you would be a blessing. A blessing is a means to an end. <laughs> All the blessings on earth. And let me explain. Abraham became rich and his family was blessed, but that wasn't the end of the story. The goal was for them to bless all of the worlds, meaning that the point of Israel was never Israel. The point of Israel wasn't this kind of nationalistic view. The point of Israel was to bring salvation to the world. God didn't bless them so that they would be blessed. He blessed them so that they would be a blessing. You have to catch this because this is so important for you and me today. The point of God's people wasn't some, I don't know, nationalistic anything. The point was to help the world. But they forgot that along the way and they missed it. And we, if you fast forward to the church, I would say that we forget it too. The point of the church is not the church. The point of this group right here is not this group. Like this group, like the point of this group is to bring blessings to the world. It's to show the world something better. The point of the church is not the church. Christopher Wright writes this. It's not so much that the case that God has a mission for the church in the world as that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for the mission, God's mission. I love that thought. It's not that the church has a mission. It's that the mission has a church. The church is just a part of the story. This is just a part of the story. You are just a part of the story. God's ultimate story to renew all things, to make everything better, to redeem everything so that there will be no more issues in the rest of the world. You are part of the story. Our mission is nothing less than participating with God in the grand story until he brings it to a complete and guaranteed end. That's a foundation for missionary thought. God is a missionary. God's mission is to renew everything. And God wants to renew everything by you and me being the image of God, by showing that we have been blessed to bless the whole world. That's the point. And so that gets to what we're doing today. This offering that we're about to take that used to be called the missions offering and then was called special offering and now we call it reach offering is about realizing that our financial blessings are not the end. 
that your job and your career are a blessing so that you could bless the rest of the world. That's the whole idea here, so you could reach the world. This is our chance to kind of acknowledge through sacrifice the belief that we are behind and we are with the plan that God is with, that we believe what God is after. It's a chance for us to extend our reach beyond our Broward Church and really to help other people find a life of blessing through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So before the elders come up to pray, I wanna set up what this offering is about. Let me talk a little bit about it. First, I wanna highlight the churches that we support because I think this is so awesome. We have been blessed so that we can bless other churches and that those churches then can be the image of God in their, in their country and in their community. This is a list of the churches that we support in South America. Buenos Aires, Argentina, La Paz, Bolivia, Santa, uh, Santa Cruz, Argentina, um, Tartejera, Bolivia, I think that's how you pronounce it, Santiago de Chile, um, Asuncion, Paraguay, and then we support nine churches in Brazil, all of the major cities. This is pretty amazing that we get a chance to help those churches be the people of God, be a blessing to their community. But it's not just the southern cone of South America. We also support churches throughout the Caribbean. The Bahamas, Barbados, Dominican Republic, Grenada, I'm not gonna read all these names, there's a lot. Jamaica, Puerto Rico, these people. We support all of these churches as well. Isn't it incredible that you and I, because we have been so blessed, can bless the rest of the world? <laughs> Because you and I have been so blessed that we can bless people in South America, that we can bless people in, in the Caribbean. And so I wanna talk a little bit about what we do here. You know, uh, in, in the southern cone of South America, some amazing things are going on. Right now, we have a church that we support in basically every, every country in South America, except for one, Uruguay. We have no fellowship that we support there, and so we are super excited to announce that in 2023, we're gonna be planting a church in Uruguay. With the support of, yeah, amen. With the support of the South American Mission Society, with the support of the church from Buenos Aires, Argentina, and with the support of the church from Central Jersey. Why? Because Central Jersey has been awesome. So, so um, and if you wanna be a part of that mission team, you can kinda ask me and reach out and we can make it happen. But 2023, we're excited. Well, the last church in, in South America that we don't have a church there um, will be, we'll be planted. We're super pumped about it. Some other really exciting things. Um, in Chile, you know Nelson and Carolina Barreto have been working there and giving their whole life there. Um, yeah, and they have just, uh, raised up new evangelists to lead the church, um, which is so incredibly exciting. They went with a mission and they accomplished their mission. We have new leadership also in Bolivia that we're super excited about and also in Paraguay. Um, this is just a little bit of it because one of the coolest things that's happening is that over the next year and a half or so, we are working very hard to figure out a way to continue to support all the churches in northern part of South America, churches in Colombia and Venezuela and um, Ecuador and, and those places. And so be praying for us as we begin to have some conversations about those things. We are so excited about that. But again, what's the point here? We are supporting churches that are able to be a blessing to their nation. And we have been blessed so that we can bless others. You know, some of the cool things in, in, um, in, uh, in the Caribbean is that, you know, there's a big picture of Jamaica here because we have so many Jamaicans in the church. Yeah, amen, Jamaicans. 
Um, and, and something really awesome is that the Caribbean Mission Society, which is the church planting um, and the church strengthening uh, missions organization that we work with, uh, actually Devin Sparks is now on the board there. Uh, so we're so excited about having him there to, to really um, uh, administer some of the funds and to really make it, to make the impact of the Caribbean Mission Society even greater. And so there's been some really big challenges in South America. Certainly COVID has affected everybody. Um, but especially in, in the Caribbean, um, education in some places has been shut down for over a year. Like there is no schooling for, for children in some of these places. And, and in previous years, I would ask the question, is that missions? And now I am totally convinced 100% that is missions. 100%. Some students are not able to access classes online because they have either weak internet connection or no internet connection at all. I heard a story in one particular country of a teacher going, a teacher in the church going door to door for all of its, um, for all of her, her, her students, trying to make sure that they were educated during this pandemic. And thinking to myself, wow, that's not missions. Well, certainly it is. Is, is helping the poor missions? Absolutely. Is educating youth missions? Absolutely. This is missions. In St. Vincent, a volcano erupted, and, and you know, you, you might have seen this on the news, but devastating impact on that small island. But the disciples have held strong together, have reached more people, have impacted um, people that are hurting in significant ways. And of course, that is a part of the mission. They are being an image of God. They are being salt of the earth and light of the world in a world that is full of darkness. Through our offering, it's not just about reaching kind of the lost in those places, but it's also about caring for the poor and the oppressed. Um, we know this, but Marcia Brevet has been so amazing. Her organization, Helping Others with Love. <clears throat> You're, a part of your offering goes to this as well. Marcia's organization cares for approximately 120 orphan children, of course, eight, across eight different orphanages. She cares for them. Some of you have gone there. If you've been there, can you raise your hand? Only a, oh, like three people. Two people. Wow, and the first service, it was everybody. So there you go. Um, so yeah, we want to send more people down there and participate with it. But we, we love Marcia and her work down there. And uh, I'm so excited that part of our offering goes uh, to support that organization. Some of these kids has, at times have no food, no medical care, no, no therapy, no education support. This is what Marcia told me. And, and again, we get a chance with our REACH offering to reach them. Here's some pictures of those amazing kids and some of the volunteers who have been down there over the past couple of years. I think that's it. Okay, uh, the, the, uh, another thing that our, our, our offering goes to is some things in our local congregation. We set out a couple of years ago to figure out how do we reach the world right here in Broward County, and so we started streaming church services online. And over the last few years, we have had people in all different places of this world watching our videos in the Philippines, in the United Kingdom, in India, in Brazil, Jamaica, Ukraine, South Africa, uh, Russia, Botswana, Canada, Indonesia, Peru, and so many other places looking at our services, watching them live. If you're watching online right now, you can drop where you're from in the chat. That would be awesome. But, but it's, it's like so many people watching online, uh, about 12,000 people uh, a month are, are participating in our service or watching um, our videos online. Um, our songs have been downloaded as far as Hong Kong uh, from our church family listening and participating. You, you, you heard a couple of weeks ago about us helping a Tuadon from Africa get baptized. How did that happen? I don't even know. Um, but, God, but God has been extending our reach. What we found is that we have, been, uh, we have been blessed, and so we are blessing others. We're following the mandate given to Abraham. Abraham, the mandate given to us by Jesus, and the mandate that I believe God has in store for all of us. 
It's not just this, though. We also have this online presence. Um, we also have our ministry training program that some of the money here goes to. Um, you know, this is Josh on the screen. He's part of our ministry training program. This is also Josh on the screen. He's a part of our ministry training program. And, and these guys wouldn't be, able to be, wouldn't be able to work for the church if it wasn't for your generosity. We're training them up. We're hoping to raise up new leaders to be sent out places to lead ministries that, that haven't had um, really stable leadership for a long time. Josh now helps lead our campus, so excited about that. Josh Mays helps lead our singles, yes, uh, with the help of Joy. And, um, and you know, Vane and Joy and, oh gosh, I'm going to forget names, and Emily and Chase and, and others. Uh, all of them are, are part of what we do um, and, and part of the offering that, that you've given here, our ability to raise up and develop more leadership. And one thing that's, that's super exciting for me is... Um, this summer, uh, we have someone who just came on staff to work for the summer in the church uh, to do campus. And, and um, I just want to, it's so cool because this is a brother that grew up in our church, you know, was like a little baby. Um, and, and now is no longer a little baby. But I'm excited that Kobe Parnell is now on staff uh, with the church. Yeah. And so... <clears throat> Kobe is now working alongside Brittany and Vane and, and Josh to help uh, with our campus. And man, it's, it's awesome. Again, we have been blessed and now we are blessing others. Kobe grew up in this church, was blessed, and now he's blessing others on campus. That's the way we're supposed to do it. That's what this mandate is about. So whether it's South America or the Caribbean or online or right here in Broward, your REACH offering does more than any of us individually can do. We are following the mandate of our God, be a blessing to all nations. I wanna show you lastly um, some pictures of our kids giving from earlier this service. This is, a, this is so cool because um, you know, here we have, uh, I had Cadence you know, take up some co a collection from her piggy bank and just give, give to God, you know, sacrifice for God. And so some of our little kids participating in the mission, realizing that even what they've been given is, is allowing them to impact other people. So to give, you can text to Broward to 73256 or whatever, or you can visit BrowardChurch.org slash give, or you can give on the realm like the way you normally do. Um, but at this time, I'd like to ask the elders to come up um, and, uh, and pray for us here as we start our offering season. Um, but as, as we do that, I just want to make a quick comment. I have been um, in the position I'm in now for, I don't know, um, I guess like four or five years, and I just want to say thank you um, because this congregation is incredibly generous. Um, you have proven over and over again that you believe all the things we said. Even if we don't have the, necessarily the verbiage to say it, you believe it. Um, you, you believe it every single week as you come, as you give, as you serve, as you bring people um, to this church. And, and I have seen um, God do some amazing things through you. And so I just want to say from, from me as the, the person in the position that I'm in, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your care and your prayers for me. And thank you that we get a chance to be a blessing to Broward County. I love you guys. I'm super grateful.